Yes, people, it's episode 269. 269 of Griff's Brain Down is me, Griff. Obviously, how are you doing? It is Saturday, the 26th of March. Um, I'm indoors, well, um, obviously. No, it's not obvious because I do this podcast everywhere and anywhere, right? But I'm, I'm in the kitchen. Um, baby's asleep, wife is out. She's out celebrating her birthday that's what she's doing so uh fair play to her um i won i wasn't invited <laughs> now nah, we celebrate her birthday a different day she can have her friends um yeah so how's your week been people my week has been uh eventful where have i gigged this week i gigged um tuesday was the boat show um so Tattleshaw Castle, which is a boat between Westminster and Embankment. Um, so you may have walked past that. So I did a show there, um, which was fun. Um, it's crazy though when a larger boat goes down the Thames, the boat starts rocking. Um, so that that's off putting. But yeah, that was good. That was fun. And then Wednesday I was at uh, the Tring Aperitif, which is like a festival comedy festival up in tring hertfordshire so um i did a half an hour there where i'm work in progress of you know i guess this very it's first time i've done kind of the 30 minutes for the show idea that i have for next year so we see how that goes and then um yesterday so friday i was in hereford um which is a beast of a drive Piece of a drive in the evening, not so bad in the morning. I came back, so I had to stay over there because it took me three and a half hours to get there. Um, and the fact that I started working at six that morning, I would have ended up getting home at about two in the morning. I'd been up for what's that 20 hours, and um, I would have crashed and died, so <laughs> I decided not to do that. Um, I mean, I'm not going to preach to you, I'm not going to tell you how to live your life, but I'm telling you, this is, that's not the way to stay alive, um, being sleep deprived and driving alone. At night, there's, there's plus driving that late as well, there's nowhere, I see this, I guess service stations would be open for me to get some ice cream and some coffee. That's my secret. Well, I do have to do it, when I do have to drive when tired. Yeah, you go for a cold drink, I go for like an iced coffee. Um, an, an ice cream, turn the music up, and just shout the lyrics to the songs. Um, and sometimes that helps. Sometimes I will realise I'm just shouting and I haven't said any words. I'm just screaming, and I'm like, wow, I'm really tired. <laughs> uh, they're just looking at the sat nav, just going, oh my god, I need to get home. Like, it's almost as the time goes down, that's your energy dropping. By the time you get, by the time I get outside my house, I'm just like, I'm, I might just sleep in the car. <laughs> I've used all my energy to get back. But um, yeah, but I was in Hereford. Um, and because I was staying there, I was like, look, I can't come all this way to Hereford, people. I've got to go out. I want to go out. And um, yeah, a few, few groups of people took me under their wing and we went out in Hereford. I got to see the sights of Hereford. I, I was the main group. Uh, the group I ended up out with was the, uh, the I called them the Hereford Mums Club. They were just a group of women who were out, um, who all had kids, all married kids, and stuff. And um, it was just like it was their night off, so they've all met up, comes a comedy, and then it's like, right, where where do you go around here? So they showed me the sights of Hereford. I went to. Uh, what was the first place? We went to a place called the Cozy Club, which used to be a gentleman's club, and then they obviously zhuzhed it up because it was a nice place, very swanky. Um, hurt my feelings because I'm outside of London, but I still paid £8 for a cocktail. I guess isn't that bad for an actual cocktail, is it? Um, then went to a place called Saxty's, and that that was that was uh, uh, that, that was strange. Dead. Like no one was in there. Um, they, they they didn't even have a DJ. They had the DJ booth and they didn't even have everyone in there. I think there's more staff than punters. And then um, when I was in, 
And I was at the gig and I said, where shall I go? And I said, don't go to the Kerry. And you know when everyone keeps on saying it, no one can even give a proper explanation. Just like, just don't go, it's shit. And that, that was the, the consensus in the room. But almost everyone I spoke to individuals like, well, it's not that shit. I was like, oh, so it's everyone's guilty pleasure. It's a dive, it's a shit. So we used to have that in Harlow. We used to have jumping jacks. <laughs> Never, I can't remember them ever playing any music anyone wanted to hear. Um, the decor was horrendous. But you'd end up in there when you couldn't get into anywhere else. And you'd end up having a decent night. You'd end up having a decent night. So, um, yeah, jacks. That's what you call it, jacks. Going up, jacks. <laughs> oh, dear. If you if you ever ended up in there, you'd just be looking at yourself and your mate and been like, what the fuck are we doing with our lives? We should go home. And they just order a drink and you're there. Um, yeah, so... The Kerry, so then we end up going to the Kerry, and it was everything I thought it would be. It was uh, a lot of, I can't recall, they're not young people. I'm the old person. They were all age appropriate. I was in the toilet, and one guy, one guy has talked to the other, and he goes, How old are you, mate? And he goes, 19. I'm like, Ugh. He goes, How old are you? No, I say, Sorry, I've said that wrong way. He goes, How old are you? Because I'm 22. And the other goes, How old are you? He's 19. Oh, you look older than me. And I was like, You both look seven. All right? Neither of you look old. Um, there was a guy who didn't know that he was trying to fight me. He was so mashed, and he just um, one guy, a mixed race guy, lovely friendly guy, helped me. Hey, good looking black guy. I just started laughing. I was like, that's such a hilarious thing to say to a stranger, but thanks. But I can see his face. It's like it's all bad. It's all good. And then his mate. Just like he couldn't even hold his chin up, just started poking me in the chest. I was like, "What?" Then he started poking, pointing at his own bicep, and I was like, "Okay." <laughs> and then his mate was looking at me, looking at his friend, looking at me, like, "I'm going to just move him away." And I was like, "Ah, oh, yeah, cool." And like, I'm, I'm not trying to fight your friend. And uh, yeah, and, that, and the night they had smoke machines, they had shots for one pound, in a uh, in like test tubes. Of all weird flavours. And I was like, yeah, one pound shots. 14%. <laughs> and then they said, right, you can't come to Hereford without going to... And I can't remember. It was, a, it was like a takeaway shop. I know where it was geographically. Um, but it's near the Kerry. So if anyone's been to Hereford and uh, they're listening to the pod, they're probably shouting the name of it. I want to say the G- Galleon. Galleon something, something Galleon, Galleon's Bar or something like that, but um, went there and I had the Galleon mixed wrap, which was Donna meat, chicken tikka meat, um, cheesy chips and, and salad in, in, in a pita bread. Um, I didn't get to the pita bread in the end, there's a lot of food. <laughs> But yeah, that was that's what I did in Hereford. Then, uh, and then one, that's it. And then one of the girls' uh, husbands came in and gave me a lift, lift back to the hotel. I came to pick her up, but then they was like, "Oh, we've, we've been out with a comedian." It's like, can we give him a lift back to the ho- his hotel? And he was like, "Yeah, sure." And then, uh, yeah, it was fun. It was really fun. We spent most of the night talking about just our age and just not going out. It was just funny. It was just funny just about just random people and just bumping into other people from the gig and just hanging out with them as well. Um, it's funny because the, I saw them in the Sax, in Saxties and in the Kerry. They end up in the Kerry as well. <laughs> oh dear, it's good times. Um, right. So what's been going on this week? Uh, not going on this week. Well, that's what's been going on in my week. What's been going on in the world, on the interwebs? Um, I guess what will spin the things that have stood out. What have I got? Jamaican independence I've got written down. Yes, Will and Kate have gone over to Jamaica. And uh, apparently it's been tough. Their, their tour of the Caribbean has been tough. They went into Belize. And then people were protesting about land rights. So 
that didn't go to plan. Then they came to Jamaica, and we was just shouting about independence. So that didn't go too well. Um, you know, Will said that slavery is bad. Thanks. I mean, it's harsh. I do do what I feel bad for Will and Kate on a personal level. Uh, not on the principle of Jamaica wanting independence and that slavery is bad and, you know, the royal family is an ancient institution that doesn't need to be existing now. I'm not disagreeing on that. Just on the personal level of... Because it is what it is in the sense of it. currently they are the royal family and they are the royal family of Jamaica as well and they're just there doing their royal duties. And you're having to answer about slavery. <laughs> You, you have to answer about it. I mean, but here's the thing, though. You, a lot of the time, um, you know, when you speak to, like, a white person, you talk about history and the past and, you know, slavery. They're like, oh, I didn't, my family didn't own any slaves. I lived, you know what I mean? My family's 40 generations from Hereford <laughs> or, or whatever, you know what I mean? 40 generations from Leeds. We don't have any, we've never had any wealth in my family. Um, literally they'll do the genealogy and stuff it's like no one's all the gene pools from like a five mile radius and um, so you get those guys and I I kind of understand them being pissed off when they're made to kind of have to discuss white privilege and stuff but when you're talking to the literal prince the literal you know heir to the throne (laughs) if there's anyone that has to be you know, answerable for white privilege and the benefits of uh, racism and slavery and colonialism. It's probably someone in the royal family, probably the future king. He probably has to answer. He does have to answer, doesn't he? <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, it's mad that Jamaica just isn't fully independent, right? It's kind of embarrassing. I find it embarrassing as a Jamaican. I mean, Trinidad, so fully independent. Barbados did it uh, last year? Or was it this year? I mean, where are we? We're in, we're in March this year. It may have been... It feels like there hasn't been enough of this year for it's been this year. It may have been. I could just search it, but I'm not going to. Um, but yeah, Barbados did it. That was embarrassing for Jamaica, getting beaten by Barbados. I mean, we've been beaten by other islands, but you just don't get beaten by Barbados. Barbados? But yeah, but they're independent, fully. And there's Jamaica. Now I think uh, procedurally it's uh, two thirds of the um, of the two houses of parliament, so representatives and senate um, have to agree. And that should be pretty easy to do, as literally both the opposition and the government both want this. They want a discussion about reparations, and they want. Um, yeah, and they want um, independence. Maybe where it might get messed up is party politics in the sense of we want to be the gov- the people in government when we do it. I'm not sure. So, therefore, if you're the opposition, you might just vote it down, but surely not. Some things are bigger, aren't they? Some things are bigger than your stupid party politics. Um, and then it gets uh, passed a referendum. And I was reading an article that basically said they've only ever had one referendum in Jamaica. Um and it was like years ago i think it was the initial independence so um so they don't really know how it would go and there's a fear with the referendum in general is that people vote um the vote reflects their sentiment towards the kind of incumbent government rather than the issue at hand so i guess there may be a fear that you know if they don't like the current government that they're going to vote it down because like, we don't want to do what the government is saying. And it's, like, it's bigger than that. But surely, in the age of social media, and if both parties are really pushing it, then you uh, you go for it, right? But then, I guess, in the world of conspiracy theories, if both parties want something, if both you mean, the government and the opposition want it, there's a conspiracy and they're working against us. Actually, let's vote against it. <laughs> You know what I mean? Because that is what would happen, right, in the UK, if both Tories and Labour both agreed on something and said we should all do it, we as the public would be like, oh, what's that then? What's this? You're agreeing? 
nah it may just be a really good idea and that's why you're agreeing but nah conspiracy theory tinfoil hat slapped on not doing it um but yeah but jamaica needs to do it this year get get, get on with it and get it done boys and girls um what else was happened this week uh oh you got the the trans swimmer um i know i know her first name leah um i'm just going to just write trans swimmer and it'll, it'll come up uh trans there you go that's right truck it's trans swimmer leah thomas that's it um so if you don't know um basically leah thomas became um is an american swimmer and i'm reading this from wikipedia he's an american swimmer and student at the university of pennsylvania or penn state as uh they call it uh, in 2021 and 2022, her athletic achievements as a trans woman became a point of public debate about transgender women in sports. In March 2022, she became the first openly transgender athlete to win the NCAA Division I National Championship in any sport after winning the women's 500-yard freestyle event. Uh, the NCAA is their uh, National Collegiate Athletics Association in the United States. Um right so obviously the big hoo-ha is this is that um is that leah before she transitioned was obviously a male athlete and competed in men's events um and i don't think i think from what it was her record wasn't that great yeah uh yeah she she wasn't um, I, mean, I guess she was part of the swimming team so she had to be good but um yeah her record weren't that great whereas now she's transitioned um she smashed it right although from what i've read she's not actually even smashing it she just won a few races she she's not actually dominating um which one i find very embarrassing um, <laughs> you know what i mean i think any trans man i'm sorry trans woman so that fallon fox the ufc fighter transitioned and obviously was just dominating that's where it should be but then she got beaten and that's embarrassing that's really embarrassing like you shouldn't you should just be dominating and you should be just sparking debate when you start becoming average and people are like oh, it doesn't really make a difference then you no wonder you transitioned nah, that's our fault i shouldn't say that <laughs> No, you can't be an average bloke at sport and then you transition to a woman and then just be an average woman at sport. No, you've got to be just sparking debate. You've got to be destroying records all over the place. Um, let's see. Right, so let, let's let's read about Thomas. So Leah Thomas began swimming on the men's team at University of Pennsylvania in 2017, and during her freshman year, recorded a time of eight minutes fifty. Doesn't matter. Um, that ranked as the sixth fastest national men's time. There you go. As well as a 500 yard freestyle and uh, another distance freestyle, which ranked within the top 100 on the men's swim team in 2018-2019. Thomas finished second in the men's 500, 1,000 and 1,650 yard freestyle at the Ivy League Championship as a sophomore in 2019. During 2018-2019, Thomas recorded top university men's times in the 500 free, 1,000 free and the 1,650 free. There you go. So as, um, as a male athlete, actually pretty good. So the way the narrative has been spun is that bang average and then in transition but that is, is doesn't seem to be the case and then um after going through uh treatment and transitioning so her time um a time for the 500 freestyle is over 15 seconds slower than a personal best before medically transitioning thomas's event progression peaked in 2019 for distance swimming with a drop in times during 2021 20, and 2022 her event progression for sprint swim reflected a dip at the start of the season before returning to near lifetime bests 
in the 100 free and lifetime personal best in the in the 50 free in 2021. Um, in the 2018-2019 season, she was, when competing in the men's team, ranked 554 in the 200 freestyle, 65 in the 500 freestyle, 32 in the 16.50 freestyle. In 21-22 season, those ranks are now, when competing in the women's team, 5 in the 200, 1st in the 500 and 8 in the 16.50. All right. So in a race during January 2022, a meet against U uh, Penn's Ivy League rival Yale, Thomas finished in sixth place in the 100 meter freestyle race, losing to four cisgender women and Isaac Hennig, a transgender man, transitioning without hormone therapy. Right. So, okay. To finish sixth in March 2022, Thomas became the first only transgender athlete to win um, a national championship in any sport after winning the women's 500 yard freestyle with a time of whatever. Um, Olympic silver medalist Emma Wyant was second with a time of time 1.75 seconds behind Thomas. Um, and then Thomas was 9.18 seconds short of Katie Ledecky's NWCA record. So therefore, it's like, she's not dominating, is she? So, I guess when it comes, it's got, so, I'm not sure why this person has become the focal point. I guess if we talk about the principle, though, of transitioning, uh, people say it should be their own category. There's just not enough trans athletes to do that, right? Uh my thing is uh, no one cares about women's sports anyway uh, let's be real um so maybe having more trans athletes in there makes it interesting <laughs> hey come on let's be honest you ain't watching women's sports when you do watch women don't watch women's sports that's a fact um but when, when uh, I'm talking about in general, as in numbers, because um, you always find that, right? Just like, you know, women's sports want equal pay in sports, and stuff, but it'd be revenue based and there'll be no one watching. And there's like, oh, it's sexism. It's like, it's not, no one's watching, no one cares. And it's like, no, they should get the same. It's like, why don't you go watch women play and then they'll be making more money? Well, nah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Whereas if there was a trans athlete there, in a women's event, everyone's watching that to see what happens. There you go, he's an absolute money spinner. Um, so yeah. And then I guess everyone's waiting for the day where it's a top male athlete who transitions. And just takes all the records. Imagine like a decathlete trans... Well, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> As I say, imagine a decathlete transitioning and I was remembered uh, what Caitlyn Jenner used to used to do so <laughs> it's, uh, I don't but is there any solution to it I think when it comes to sport my thing is because uh, it's almost a thing of I feel like the sentiment is they're, allow, they're allowed to perform they're allowed to perform in, in women's sports as long as they don't win and then you know it's just like well the, you, that can't be the the rule but, um, but that feels like the sentiment right People would be less bothered if they just didn't win. But, um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, definitely in contact sport, nah. That can't happen. I just don't think that should be allowed. Or maybe the women just, the cisgender women just need to get tougher. <laughs> I don't... Oh, dear. Maybe that's it. Maybe just do away with categories and do just, everyone just plays each other. Because I know that when like, Serena played the bloke, she lost to like guys ranked 200 or something. Is that what happened? Wait, no, have I made that up? Well, I think John McEnroe said that if Serena played in the men's league, she wouldn't be even be in the top 100. And people are really offended. And I think she literally did play someone and lost. Let's see. Serena Williams... And obviously, we know Serena Williams is a phenomenal um, 
So let's see. Serena Williams played last night. He's well played. That's why nothing's coming up. There's no U in play. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, uh dear. Uh, right here you go. Battle of the Sexes tennis. Um, right. So there's been a few Battle of the Sexes tennis, and um, challenges that never came to be. Let's see, let's see. Yeah, it was Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah, I mean, John McEnroe. Yeah, in August 2015, John McEnroe was interviewed on Jimmy Kimmel Live. And at the time, McEnroe was 56 years old, but still active on the seniors tennis circuit. Williams was 34 years old. And in the chase for the calendar year Grand Slam, McEnroe mentioned to Kimmel that about 15 years prior, Donald Trump had suggested that he would like to put on a battle sexes match between McEnroe and Williams. McEnroe said he would face Williams, but that Trump was not offering a big enough payout. McEnroe said that he believed he could defeat Williams in a tennis match. I thought he was talking about other people. I didn't think he was talking about himself. Um, but yeah, I mean, if he backs himself, why not? Where is this thing? Um... Let's see. I'm trying to find it. Trying to find it. There you go. Uh, where it goes. Yeah. This did happen. So a quarter of a century after King beat Riggs in the Battle of the Sexes, 203rd ranked German Carsten Brasch beat Serena Williams and Venus Williams back-to-back in the 1998 Australian Open. Wow. (laughs) Uh, But to be fair, Serena Williams was 16 years old at the time. And 16th rank. And Venus was 16th rank. Um... Apparently he didn't even use his full um, first serve. But um, yeah, he's whatever. You know? At the end of the day, look. There is differences between men and women when it comes to sport. That's why we have different categories. These sports only exist to allow women to actually compete and have some fun. Because if there wasn't any categories, I think almost every sport, men would absolutely destroy women. Um, So when you talk about someone transitioning... um, if it wasn't a, a thing, if, if it wasn't, if it was a non-issue, then they wouldn't make uh, those trans athletes have to take hormones and make them reduce their their testosterone to acceptable levels, because they know there's a there's a difference and there's an advantage. Uh, now, is that advantage completely negated when hormones are removed? Well, so when the you know the effects of hormones are removed. Who knows? Who knows? I guess that, for example, swimming. I guess men have bigger hands, bigger feet, and stuff. So is that unfair if someone transitions with having bigger hands and bigger feet than the average woman? But then I guess do your best swimmers like Phelps and was it Ian Thorpe? They have abnormal abnormalities that are naturally they naturally have, but. Is that the difference that they naturally have it? They haven't, un- they haven't undergone any surgery for it to happen. I don't know. But other than transitioning, what if like an athlete did undergo some kind of physical surgery to give them a physical advantage? You know what I mean? Like if they had some kind of I don't know how to think of an example. Like say if you're tennis and I don't know you have some kind of implant in your shoulder that means you know you can snap your arm forward quicker so you can actually hit the ball harder like would that then be banned would that come into question i don't know i don't know i don't know obviously jk rowling's trending because there's a trans issue so (laughs) 
Seriously, they're going to fuck around and people are going to forget she wrote Harry Potter. That's one thing. Yeah, if I make it in comedy, that's not, let's talk in tricks. When I make it in comedy, I hope that I'm known for comedy until the day I stop doing comedy. And I'm not known for just some weird issue within the comedy or some weird issue outside of it. I just want to be known for the actual art, the output. You know what I mean? Like I said, they've got to fuck about. I'm going to forget she wrote Harry Potter, man. She's going to become the person that just always discussing trans stuff. I mean, like, once you've said your point once, you don't need to keep on going on about it, do you? You know what I mean? I said what I said. I just move on. So it's not every time the debate comes up, it's, oh, I'll say something. But I guess if everyone's like tagging you and stuff on Twitter, then you might have to just reply and be like, this is my view, leave it. But yeah, I don't know. All right, oh, here's something that I learned this week, right? So this is completely unrelated now. Um, anyone listening, I'm going to pause. Someone, well, pause talking. Do you know what the Tiffany problem is? I found this amazing um, when I found it out. So basically, I heard it from um, a video I saw where someone's discussing the Gladiator. Um, directed by Ridley Scott and apparently um, he, so what the Tiffany problem is where you have something that's historically accurate but because of the viewer's perception they would perceive it as inaccurate and therefore you remove it right um, and, I, and the reason it's so when I first heard it, sorry, I'll tell you how I heard it all. So when I first heard it, it was some talk about the Gladiator, the film Gladiator, where um, in Roman times, they would have had, like, they actually had billboard advertising. Yeah? Yeah, the gladiatorial battles. And um, they had, what else? They had something else. that, And essentially what Ridley Scott decided was if he has billboards at the Colosseum, people would be like, what the hell is this? This is nonsense. So he decided just to remove it. He's like, it would have been historically accurate to have the billboards, but it's like, no, we're just going to remove that because people won't believe it. And I was like, what? And the person doing video is called the Tiffany Problem. So I thought, why is it called that? The reason for the Tiffany Problem is, uh, again, I'll ask you a question. What century does the name Tiffany come from? Like, for example, if you was watching a drama about, you know, Queen Victoria and one of the people in the palace was called Tiffany. Tiffany! Tiff! Uh, would you be like, okay, that's accurate. Or go, this is absolute nonsense. Be honest. Part of you be like, this is nonsense. What if I told you there was a film about in the 18th century? Eh? About then. What about if there was a bloody slave owner called Tiffany? You'd be like, well, what is this? Apparently the name came about in the 11th or 12th century. It's a short name for Epiphany. Tiffany. Uh, and, or Tiffania as well was another name that was uh, around at that time. So even all those period dramas, you're watching Bridgerton and it's like, oh, Lady Tiffany. He's like, what on earth is this? But yeah, so that's what they do. So sometimes, you know, when you watch those programmes and they have like uh, Victoria and London and they have black and Asian people, and people watch it and be like, fucking hell, it's all gone woke, it's all gone left, liberal, where bullshit, inclusivity, bollocks. And it's like, oh, no, no, there was, there was black and Asian people in East London at that time. It's, you know what I mean? It's on those ones. When they do war movies and stuff, and people, just go, it's about your perception, and it's it's really interesting. I find just like essentially history doesn't make sense to us. But um, try let me find. Uh, see, this only becomes a real problem. Someone's mentioned. Um, yeah, let's find it. Oh yeah, like black people being in ancient Rome. Um, how often medieval people actually bathed apparently it's more often than we think because I had to think they bathe once a year apparently no they bathe more than that but again 
if we was to watch something about medieval England, the person's having a bath every day and they're not a king or queen, we'd be like, what? Nah. Nah. So I think what you just do, you just... Uh, I think that what you, yeah, what you do going forward is you, you read about this stuff before you, you bitch and moan about it when you watch it on TV, right? So rather than watching something, like, oh, I had a dash black people in this show. So I guess we have to read it. It's not all uh, all woke. Eh? It's not all too much inclusivity. I don't know. I'm just I'm rambling now. Ramblings of a madman. Anyway, let's um let's get on with uh some dear Deirdre. Um where is it? Dear Deirdre. Um I need to keep those tabs. Uh, oh, oh, big yard. After I finish this pod, I'm going to watch Billions and Bel Air while washing up. Multitasking. Um, oh, here we go. Dear Deirdre, our new nanny was perfect until she jumped into bed with my husband. Oh, dear Deirdre, my children get on well with their new would-be stepmom. They should. I employed her as a nanny before she jumped into bed with my husband. Um, I always find that statement because I don't know enough about English. Well, you know, what's the what's the object? What's the subject? What's the in, in a sentence? But the way that's worded, until she jumps into bed with my husband, meaning the nanny is the one actively doing something in the sentence. The husband's just a, an object. He's just a dormant thing that was had sex with. Um, what about your husband jumping into bed with your nanny? That's not the sentence she's saying though, right? So she clearly blames the nanny for this. Um, I'm 35, my husband's 41. We've been together nine years. Our kids are two and four. We had been struggling after starting a family. It was overwhelming juggling marriage with childcare, housework and careers. We hoped a nanny could bring back the spark in our relationship by freeing us from chores. Uh, We found her through an agency three years ago. She had great references and more than 10 years of experience. She was six years older than me. Plumpish and seemingly plain looking. Listen, women, here's the thing. Okay. About your man. Don't try to anticipate his type. Okay. Look, either your man's going to cheat or he's not going to cheat. You, you can't be trying to employ people who's not his type, okay? Because some, some guys, it's not even about the type. It's just about the thrill and the scenario. I know guys who search porn, not on what the woman's got, like whether it's big boobs, big bum, nope. It's not about the woman, how she looks, black, white. Asian. Nope. It's not even about the acts that are happening in the sex. In the seeds. No. For some guys, it's literally the scenario. Yeah, it's the thing of, ah, oh, it's student have sex with teacher. Colleagues having sex. Plumber. And, you know, in the housewife. Is what is the situation. So for them, it's just nanny and me. <laughs> so whether she's pompish or not, don't matter. Don't matter. And I, and I know guys who I've been that guy where I've literally on one the same day I've said I wouldn't do that act or that type of girl, not my type at all. And by the turn of fate, I've ended up sleeping with a girl who is a com- who completely contradicts what I just said that day. <laughs> so your man's probably even told you, oh, I don't, don't like fat birds. Nah. And he's calling women fat. He was like, she's not even fat. And he's like, I don't like fat birds. And now he smashed this plumpish <laughs> woman. 
Ah, dear. Anyway, she was six years older than me. Was how old is she? That was the woman, 35. Six years older than you is the same age as your husband. Competition seemed to be plain looking. I never thought my husband would be sexually interested in her. She reminded me of Mary Poppins, slightly stern but caring. The kids now adore her. I th- she sounds like um, Super Nanny. I thought she was a godsend when she came to our house five days a week. She cooked, cleaned, and was brilliant with the childcare. On my day off, she and I would spend time together. Oh, wow. We'd sing along to take that while making the beds. I also confided in her about the dwindling sex life in my marriage. Eesh. And my worries that my husband didn't find me attractive. Now I'm a mum. wonder if the nanny's got kids. Around the same time, he started coming home really late after work. All right. I've now learned that for most of that time, he was sleeping with our nanny. He admitted last weekend that it had been going on for two years. Eesh. Looking back, she had started to make more effort with her appearance, and I realised she wasn't dumpy at all. In fact, she had the most amazing curves. Hi! <laughs> you know them ones? You know them ones? Because that's, that's what happens to some, some women, right? Like... The other day, I want to talk about my own wife here. The other day, my wife put on a, a shirt or some kind of top, right? And um, I think my wife's got a cracking body, a cracking shape. Obviously, I've married her. But she's got kind, I guess she's got kind of like broad shoulders. Not broad as in like a rugby player, but her shoulders are, she's got good posture. Good posture. Right, so when she wears something loose fitted, she loses all shape and it makes her look boxy. Like she goes all boxy because of the way the loose top falls off her. She's got a great, great shape underneath there, but you can't see it because it's just hanging off her, her body. Right, so this must be is this what this woman's done. She's just this woman just wear it, she thinks, nah. No shape under there at all. And then, bam! Wear some bodycon things. Like, hold on, what? Puts little little belt around the waist. Things like, hold on, wait a minute. <laughs> and then what? I bet your husband didn't think she was plumpish. Day one. He's like, luck is in. Um, so, yeah. That's funny. In fact, she had the most amazing curves. My husband now wants a divorce and even said the nanny can care for the kids full time as their stepmom. I mean, it's a cost saving, though, isn't it? I feel like I'm being pushed out of my own family. I can't think straight about what I should do. Yeah, it's mad because the kids like her as well. <laughs> I mean, what can you do? What can you do? What you can do is just focus on your kids. Focus on your kids, is it? I mean, I guess you, at least you know she cares for the kids. That's an upside. Um, and it's going to sound crazy, but you just got to move on, isn't it? Just move on. Your husband's probably the type of guy that he'll probably turned off of the nanny if you don't care. It becomes less naughty, you know? So imagine a sordid affair. Must be very sexy, right? Very exciting. And when that sordid affair now becomes a relationship, it's like, well, this is kind of what I had before. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's like, he's just going to cheat again. What about when she gets too busy and then they need to get a new nanny in? What's going to happen then? Anyway. So yeah, so you just move on. And um, doesn't it favour you in the divorce if he's cheated? Yeah? That's what you do. You just uh, get what you can out of him. Make sure it's not to the detriment of your own kids. And um, live life. That's my advice. Right. Um... Uh, wow. I can't read that one. There's no banter in that. 
Um, okay, what is this? Can't pay it. My brother-in-law wants us to pay him £16,000 after living with us backfired. What is that? Uh, my brother-in-law wants to get back at us after we fell out and is demanding we pay him £16,000 immediately. I don't understand how this works. I'm 71, my wife's 73. We bought a property to share with my wife's newly widowed brother. Okay. Um, he had his heart set on a house we couldn't afford. So he insisted on giving us... He had his heart set on... Okay. He insisted on giving us 16000 to put towards it. We made it clear we could never pay him back. And he said... But he said it was a gift. There wasn't any paperwork. Okay, living together didn't work out. Oh, so he was living there and he gave you money towards the house. Oh dear. Yeah, I mean, that sounds... That sounds like a man who's legally savvy. Because um, he was evidence. Because especially if you, on your mortgage application, you have to say the sources of your money, right? So if you... you so you see, if you said he gave you 16000 uh as a gift and he was going to declare it as a gift or you lied on your mortgage and said no we just have this as savings and then he can evidence when he paid the money across to you i don't know it's interesting isn't it um we made it clear that we can never pay him back there wasn't any paperwork living together didn't work out nine months in we sold the house and split the sale um oh wait a minute so you no, 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 you lot got given the money back. I thought, yeah, if you've sold the house, I thought he was just trying to say give the money back now. But if you sold it, you know I mean the fact you couldn't pay it back was because you borrowed it. You didn't intend on selling the house, right? But now you've sold the house. Yeah, if I give you sixteen thousand pounds to buy, let's say, a three hundred thousand pound house. And then you sell that house a few years later for £350,000. Um, you're going to have to give me back just for well, 16 I'm not even asking for the interest. I'm not even asking for the, the equal proportion of the growth in value. I just want my 16 k back. I know you've got the money. It's there. <laughs> um, last week, you got in touch to demand his money back, but we don't have... We don't have a chance of raising it. We do. You just sold your house. Um, but no. But I think you. Uh, but things like yeah, legally you won't actually have to pay him back if he's actually gifted it to you, and you would have declared, and you all declared it. It's all papered up in the mortgage application. Then he may just burn your house down, but you won't have to pay him back. Hey. So. But yeah, I sixteen. But I'll just I, I, I want to be really rich. Um, but still, the idea of giving someone sixteen thousand pounds is just ludicrous to me. You know what I mean? Sixteen. Oh Jesus, it's nuts. Um, but yeah, like I said, legally you don't have to pay him back anything, but. Okay, I'll chuck some cash at him with it, at least, at least. Right, how long have I been talking for? I feel like I've been talking for bloody ages. It's a long one, it's 48 minutes. We've only done two, dear, 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 let's have one more, then we're out of here. Um, uh, uh, oh, let's do a Mother's Day one, because it is Mother's Day, right? Um... Under attack, I dread Mother's Day. My mum spends the whole day criticising me. Dear Deirdre, my mum has always put me down and criticised my weight. Why have you always been fat? Because if you have always... <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> because as a parent, that's, I think you're, you're right. Yeah, Your kid's overweight. That's obviously not good for their health. As a parent, you're allowed to say, come on. Come on, darling. Like, do you have to have another cake? Like, you know what I mean? I don't think that's fair. Um, 
They go, now I've got children. She constantly tells me I'm doing it wrong. Just say, I learned from you. You evil witch. I dread Mother's Day and feel obliged to invite her over. She expects me to cook and clean up after her. Well, no, you're a mum as well, so you shouldn't be doing that stuff. She's on her own after my dad left her. And she always makes a point of saying she has no other family other than mine. I'd say to your mum, have a think about why dad left you. Stop being such a dick. Anyway, last year she criticised what I cooked. How the girls were allowed to leave the table before she thought fit. And the, and the fact I was in my tracksuit bottoms. Really all I want is to spend a quiet day with my two daughters, 11 and 9. Yeah, I tell you, you're going to have to tell your mum to piss off. <laughs> I know she's your mum. And I know it's Mother's Day. You're going to have to tell us piss off. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, what is this? your mum, isn't it? What are you going to do? She's old. Don't worry about it. It's fine. She criticises. You just roll your eyes. It's like, the thing is, right? If someone criticises everything, then the power of the criticism diminishes. So just remember that. She criticises everything. So she doesn't even know how to give a compliment. Forget about it. It's, it cuts way deeper when it's someone who usually gives you compliments then criticises you. She's like, oh, shit. Other way round. Yeah, easy. Easy. So like I said, you just... Um, just just let it... Just get, get thicker skin. And uh, ignore your mum. That's it. Alright, anyway people, that's the end of the pod. I'm done talking. I'm done talking. Alright, I'm done talking. I'm done talking, yeah. Alright? Okay, let's end the pod. Um, what am I doing this week? This week I'm in Enfield on Friday. Um, oh. Um, and then, oh, she's big yours. Yeah, Enfield and Southgate on Friday. And then Saturday, um, Soho Theatre. Tanya Moore, Emmanuel Sanobi, Helen Bauer, and Travis J. Um, I think this ticket's still available. That's going to be a really, really good show, man. That's going to be really good. I know it's going to be good. So, yeah, Pete, that is the end of the pod. Uh, peace.